Welcome to the Kohani podcast from me, Isaac Mwema. This is where we build each other up in the faith so that we can be a holy and priestly people. This means that we strive for and are changed by God's presence while also influencing others to be changed by that same presence. Has this podcast been a blessing to you? Just last year, we produced over 1,000 minutes of podcasting, and this was 83% more than other creators in the religion and spirituality category. So we are giving a vast amount of opportunity every week for people to hear the Word of God, reaching to people in all parts of the world, whether it is in Africa, in the United States, in Europe, many people are, are hearing in and they, they are hungry for the gospel of Christ. Just last year, we gained 40% more listeners and 33% more followers than we had in our pioneering year in 2021. And therefore, we have received testimonies of people being edified and being blessed by this podcast and that we believe that we could even do much more uh, when we get more equipment to be able to help us to edit, to produce with even a higher quality, with a better quality. There are things that I, I, I feel God has placed in my heart to do, including video podcasting and moments of even sound worship, but that we are limited in terms of equipment to make sure that we bring you the best listening experience and that it can go excellently to many people to bless them and, 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 and to minister unto them. And therefore, if you can consider today without coercion or manipulation, hey, this is just me speaking to you. Can you consider sowing a gift unto this ministry? For those who are in US and Canada, you can be able to forward your contribution uh, through SendWave. Through SendWave, my number is plus two five four seven one eight two eight zero five eight nine. I'll repeat plus two five four seven one eight two eight zero five eight nine. For the rest of the countries, you can be able to send us your contributions through PayPal. My email is sawemaisaac at gmail.com. That is S I R M W E M A. I-S-A-A-C at gmail.com My wife and I have given ourselves to full-time ministry in our local church and through this podcast and therefore if you can consider giving a gift it would also go a long way in helping us to settle our bills even as we produce this podcast so whatever you can give we will really appreciate thank you Hello friends and happy new month. I want to share with you something briefly that I believe is timely for us. And I'd like us to begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we pray this morning that you may help us just to slow things down and wait on you. 
that we are in a rush. We are in this print as men to our passions and our ambitions that in the process, Lord, we become weary, we become weighty, we become heavy. That today, Lord, you've said that we may come to you who is meek and that you lift those heavy burdens, O oh God, and exchange them, O oh God. For your own burden that is light and is easy. So have your way in us. Bless the word today. Make it to be effective. Make it to penetrate, O oh God, into the deeper places of our hearts and our souls, all to the glory of your name. Amen. We'll be talking about the fear of the Lord. And we can start from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. You can follow it together with me. It says, I will quote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So in layman's terms, it's saying that we should work out our salvation in God's way. That God is only pleased by what he does himself. And that when we allow him to work out his salvation in us, is he pleased? That we should be careful not to work out our salvation our own way. It's very possible that we turn the cause of things to only please us. That human nature is pleased by what it does itself. And hence, there is the war of our will against the will of God. And therefore, that's the importance of inviting the battle of Gethsemane in our hearts. That as Jesus prayed, let your will be done. That there needs to be such a battle that is alive in our altars. Alive in our prayer life, in our faith walk. In the deepest meditations of our hearts, in our daily engagements. Let invite that battle and that war. Or else... It's possible that we worship God in our own way. It's possible that we are self-deceived. Even, even in our orthodoxy, even in the purity of our religion and our faith, it's possible to be self-deceived if we don't allow such kind of a battle. Our main text today Saints comes from Exodus chapter 32. I'll read up to verse 5 from verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out 
out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in your ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. Now the Lord being referred here, this is me interjecting, is Yahweh. If you read it in um, translations, it's put in capital letters, Lord, meaning that he's referring to the Lord of Israel. So this is Aaron calling the golden calf Yahweh. Okay. Finish with verse 6. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And people sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. There's a habit, brethren, there's a human habit that is wired in our human nature to dial down God and make an idol out of him. The sooner you realize that, the sooner you confront that habit in itself shows maturity and growth. That it is possible that we worship God with a confirmation bias. Confirmation bias meaning we are not worshipping God for being God. But that we are worshipping God. While having our own beliefs and our imaginations of who he is. And therefore, we use all the Christian faith, the religion, the protocols and whatever to confirm what we already believe. And it is not that we are coming to know who God is. It's a confirmation bias. And just like Aaron did, we start to Christianize this habit. Aaron built an altar and he called the golden calf Yahweh. And the Israelites brought an offering, a burnt offering, and peace offering to the golden calf. That it is possible that we caress our beliefs, our ambitions, and our human appetites while calling it God. That's why our relationship with God needs a cross. If you remember a podcast that I did last year that was called Self-Worship, 
you can go to that that we talked about a book that was proclaiming that our relationship with God can possibly be ungodly that we could worship ourselves under the banners of religion we could be sneaking our own ambitions our own desires and calling them god or holy spirit that now that you are an intercessor and a prayer warrior and when you go to the place of prayer you are praying against someone that might have offended you but that because in that moment you're not actually ready to hear from god you have carried the hate that you had against that person into the place of prayer and you're charismatic and you're praying in tongues and all that but that in the process because you already have a confirmation bias because you already want god to affirm the hate that is in your heart against a certain brother all that you will hear from that prayer is that that brother is wrong that brother is evil that brother is demonic so you christianize that as a prayer warrior or as an intercessor and that is what you go on telling the saints one after the other thinking that you are doing the will of god or even fawas you even take it to the altar you didn't really hear from god you just heard someone and when you went to the place of prayer you just affirmed what you already believed you didn't go to hear what god was saying and so when you say thus say the lord you actually saying thus says my flesh that when we worship god with a confirmation bias it means that we are coming to him with theology that is behind our heads we have already decided that the gifts of the spirit don't exist and therefore we will just affirm when we go to the place of prayer that that is what we have heard from god when we decide that the whole of the bible is to start, is to serve our prosperity on the earth that is what our minds will find that is what our flesh will tell us but that just like Aaron did we will call that golden calf Yahweh we will say it is God we need to be careful that our relationship with God is on the right side of resurrection if our relationship with God has not gone through a cross if we have not left the space for God to correct us and adjust us and to go before God openly and honestly and say whatever you say in this place of prayer in this place of worship of God even if it contradicts what is on my mind or what i thought i will listen because you are God and therefore that's why scriptures remind us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom that wisdom 
is sourced from fearing God. And what is wisdom? It is the creative knowledge, creative means in different circumstances by time of knowing what just what to do. It is not asserting our biases in the name of God, but that it is God helping us to know creatively just what to do. It is not putting God in a particular box of our own beliefs or our theology or what we, have, we want him to be. So saints today, I want us to assess ourselves, our prayer work and our prayer life. Can you have the audacity today just to go before the Lord and ask him if it is possible that I have been calling a crafted and imagined image of Jesus, that I've been calling it God. Father, would you help me to just pull that idol down? There might be a pseudo-Jesus that we have formed in our minds. A Jesus that only just does what we want. A Jesus that only says what we agree with. A Jesus that is just there to please us. Just for fun, just for our appeasement. And that when we go into prayer, we are listening to that idol of our flesh. We are imagining him. We are having dreams and visions of that idol. But that it is not God. So, Aaron told them to bring their gold so that he makes this calf. And this represents how we use all the precious things that God has given us, which is represented by gold. We use those precious things that God has given us to create idols that serve our selfish purposes. That we now use relationships to fulfill our expectations. We now use church for entertainment. We use friendships and connections for self-affirmation. We use prayers to confirm our own prejudices. We use work for convenience and sluggishness in other areas of our lives. We use wealth for social status. We use ministry for social and political power. We use faith to affirm our theological arguments. Have we formed a golden calf out of the things that God has given unto us and that we have called it God? And to make matters worse is we have Christianized it as Aaron did. Building an altar, burning an incense unto it, offering peace offerings. 
that we have done that for a long time until we, are con- we have convinced ourselves that that is God. Don't you know that if you believe in a lie long enough, it becomes the truth? That at first it brings an eerie feeling in our hearts, but that with time, our hearts becomes callous and hardened, and we start to think, this is God. Where is the fear of the Lord in the church today? It has disappeared under the shadows of idols that we have formed, shadows of theology, shadows of corporate ministry. Shadows of self-help and inclusion and walkism and politics and entertainment. We have, sh- we have shown a spotlight on that. And just like the children of Israel, we are dancing around it. The fear of the Lord becomes drowned. We no longer want him for who he is. I want us to take note of the misleading priesthood of Aaron that rubber stamps godly authority on idols. That we go to our spiritual leaders It says that those people gathered around Aaron as if to give him a pressure, as if to make him to do what they want. And that Aaron gave them what they want. As the famous phrase in sports goes, are you not entertained? Isn't this what you wanted? And that how how does the priestlyhood of Aaron compare to that of the sons of Zadok? but that the sons of Zadok became peculiar priests and unique priests that when the priestlyhood of Israel was declining and eroding to the point that the priestlyhood of Israel in the New Testament crucifies Jesus, that just shows you how it was slowly eroding from its purposes. But that in the New Testament, we are told there was a remnant called the sons of Zadok what made them to be peculiar, but that they refused to fall under the pressures of the people as Aaron did, but that they decided to minister unto the Lord. They didn't make it a priority to minister unto the people. We need to be wary of horizontal ministry that is so focused on people, it's people-oriented, and what people want and what will draw people to the church and what will draw people to the fellowship against vertical leadership which prioritizes ministering to the Lord. What does the Lord want? What does he want to reveal to the people? The tone is different. The, the, there is 
the two things are mutually exclusive. Ministering to the people and ministering to the Lord. The best way to minister to the people is to minister to the Lord. Let's be cautious of worshiptainment, if I may use that term. It's entertainment-based worship that tries to win the hearts of men to come to church. It looks kind of holy. It looks kind of righteous. We can even say that we are winning souls for Christ. But at the back of it all, if we are honest with ourselves, it is marketing. It is putting programs and things in church that will draw people. But you know what? At the end of the day, it leaves them dry. Scripture says when Jesus will be lifted up, he will draw men unto himself. Are we lifting Jesus up in our churches? Or are we exalting programs and things and activities that we are longing to draw people into so that they come to a church and so that we can be the hottest church around but that our agenda is not really transformation? If we just say, come as you are, and we give the people what they want, at the end of the day, isn't our ministry purposeless? And we just forming a social club. Don't we just want to fulfill our needs for religion and being relational and all that? But as scripture says, as Jesus is lifted up, let him draw men unto himself. They might not be many, but it will be the hungry. I'm sure it will be the thirsty. It will be those that really long for God that will come. Those that are really intentional, those that really want him, will be the ones that will be coming. But those that want to be appeased, those that want to hear that there's barbecue every week, and those that want to hear that there's sandwich in the ladies' ministry so that they come, and those that want to hear that they are fun and games and that there is this worship leader that is coming and this pastor that is coming so that they can come to the program. Slowly by slowly, they'll start to feel they don't belong in that place. Can Jesus be enough for the modern church, really? And therefore, such are the pressures of a modern minister to give the people what they want, to minister to the people and their needs and what they want. They gathered around Aaron. But the sons of Zadok, they ministered to the Lord. So friends, all this idolization comes because we cannot wait on the Lord. The Israelites said, as for this Moses, we do not know what has become of him. That the wait, the waiting process, exposed the weight, the heaviness that was in them. That they had carried the baggage 
of Egypt in them. And therefore, that same weight today. The fact that we cannot wait on God to lead and guide us in our daily engagements and our activities reveals that there are burdens that we are still carrying and are not willing to get rid of. Burdens and baggages of sin from our former lives. Scripture says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strengths. It means they have gotten rid of these baggages that are being talked about in Hebrews chapter 12. Getting rid of every weight that you may run the journey lightly, that you may travel light. And that means that you'll be able to be renewed in your strength because you're not carrying the whole load of your ambitions, your expectations, the lusts of your flesh, at the eyes and the pride of life. You have gotten rid of them and therefore you can run with endurance. Friends, even in modern Christian dome, we can find a way to justify hard labor. The hard labor of carrying our fears and anxieties because these are the roots of our idolization of the things of God. But that when we learn to wait on the Lord as it is in Isaiah 40, we learn to get rid of those weights that godly fear comes to us when we let God in all his glory to show us who he is. When we wait on him, we intentionally are cautious of his, pres- of his presence in moments of temptations and conflict. We are building a culture of revering him and longing to know his heart. The fear of the Lord is not that the feeling of fear, it is reverence. It is giving him the due honor and respect, being cautious of him. It's as the spirit of God resting upon your shoulder as a dove, that every step that you make, you're cautious of that dove. We are allowing the shepherding of God in small and big moments in our lives. It is prioritizing his needs higher than ours and saying his will be done. So I'll finish with this. Another great ingredient of waiting upon the Lord is eschatological mindedness. Having our minds fixed to the end, to the coming of the Lord. For this text, friends, is a larger picture of what happens to a world when Jesus ascends to the Father as he is represented by Moses that he goes and tarries and that the people become impatient and in their process they build golden calves even though they are calling it atheism and wokeism even though they are saying that these are traditions even though they are saying they don't believe in God the human heart cannot exist without worship We must worship something. We were created to worship. We believe 
that in that process, when we say in our hearts that Jesus, because he has taken too long, he doesn't exist, we form our own idols. And that in the process, by the time the Lord comes, he finds us dancing around those idols and worshipping and having a joy that is apart from him. But when we have our minds fixed upon the end, we will have the patience to wait on him. There is a dilution of the fear of the Lord because the modern church is not eschatological minded. We are so fixed in the here and now. We want God to make our lives better. That's what he's here to do. He's like an errand boy. And that we can form a whole religion around that and make that to be a golden calf. And that humanity is so absorbed in science and finance and all these things. And that it has lost its bearing, it's disoriented from God. And so the church itself is disoriented as the people are disoriented. But when we return the fear of the Lord in our hearts, do we find orientation? Does our ministry find purpose? Does our life find direction? Do you have your mind fixed upon the end? Do you know that you will stand before the Holy One to be judged of your works? That fear of God is healthy. It is a healthy fear in our lives that we need every moment because it keeps us in check. We need it. So friends, today, my call is, are we worshipping with a confirmation bias? What idols are we carrying, the baggage and the weight from our former lives, from our old man that we have carried, that we are still worshipping today and we have called it God secretly? And that is why many of us have a crisis of faith. Because... We have appeased and caressed our own idol and called it God. Until when God exposes that idol and we learn that it was a fantasy. And that's when we say God doesn't exist. By saying God doesn't exist, it's just us coming to the realization that our idol was false. Our idol was an imagination of our mind. Really what we are saying is, God, 
you did not fit into my criteria of who I wanted you to be, therefore you do not exist. Let's pray. Father, as it were in Peter, reveal yourself through your Holy Ghost that many say you are this and that. They idolize you in many ways, but that through Peter, O oh God, you reveal to him who you are and that in that moment Peter realized who he is. You are Peter, and on this rock I shall build my church. We pray that you may sanctify our prayer work, sanctify our work and our relationships and our friendships, the deepest meditations of our hearts and our souls, O oh God, that we may learn to wait on you, that you may reveal yourself for who you are. Wipe away, O oh God, any imaginations and idols that we have formed and called it you. And bring that fear of the Lord back unto us. And even the more, God, inject us with a mind towards your coming. Towards your final revelation. Which is at the end. That when you come in glory and reign in the earth. And in the heavens, that Lord, may we be found in faith. May we be found waiting and hoping on you. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.